welcoming you all aboard for a Wednesday night. I think that's going to be very nice and enthralling conversation. A lot going on, too, because the 7 o'clock show, though it may be a little bit short, that's only the beginning of the evening for me because then we have book club afterwards, a separate stream. And, uh, and here's what we have going on. We have Dr. Chloe Carmichael. On the show, I first learned about Dr. Chloe Carmichael through um, Pain Trip. Actually, she was on Timcast last year, and our buddy Pain Trip went and made a supercut of that episode. Of course, he in his in his editing he pitted Ian and Tim up against each other, try, vying for the uh, the affection of of Dr. Chloe. I thought that was hilarious. And then Ping Trip invited me on to a stream of his with Dr. Chloe Carmichael uh, a few months ago, maybe like two months ago at this point, maybe early November. I forget when it was, but it was a really wonderful stream, and I had a great time with Dr. Chloe, and and uh, then I, I put her on the, on the schedule, and here we are tonight. So we're going to use some current examples of ongoing psychological operations that are deteriorating, of course. It's all very Emperor Has No Clothesy. But we're going to use those examples to springboard into conversations um, about group psychology, anxiety, depression, and a few other things if we have time. And whatever's ever, whatever is left over can be saved for another day. The show will be cut short just a little bit due to book club session one for The Great Divorce. And, um, and that's that. And I also wanted to tell people, even though we're starting it off tonight, and it is an exclusive uh, bit of content for monthly subscribers, you can jump onto that anytime. You, you, you even have time tonight, because I have the links that are posted on Subscribestar and Patreon. Everything else is email-based, so you missed out uh, on that, that link for now, if you are uh, thinking about being a sponsor directly through quitefrankly.tv or through Foxhole, but everything else, and you know what? We're going to be doing this every Wednesday for the next couple of Wednesdays. We don't have another book that we're reading until March with Jay Dyer. Another one you should get in on, that's Brave New World. And you, you have not missed the boat with C.S. Lewis. It is You have plenty of time to get the book still, to catch up. It's a very quick read, and it's a beautiful one. The imagery... I can't wait to jump into it, but that's all we have. As far as my sponsors tonight, I want to thank everybody on my affiliates page. Go to quitefrankly.tv, take a look at all of our wonderful all-American friends on the affiliates page and all the great things that they offer. Aside from our main sponsors, there's tons of friends and affiliates. Go check them out. And that's what we have. Timothy Alberino tomorrow, Leo Zagami on Friday the 13th. I'll also be doing a, a recording with Robert Phoenix for his show 
earlier on Friday afternoon. So that'll be fun. And um, then next week it gets, we maintain on our current heading, a beautiful one indeed. Beautiful heading. A beautiful heading of hair. It's the best heading of hair I can get at this point. Well, all right. Let's jump into the grab bag because that's where a lot of the stuff we're going to need for the rest of our show is buried. First one up, first one up from Zero Hedge. That Zelensky guy, this time it's spelled with one Y, tries to reassure Hollywood A-listers at Golden Globes there will no there will not be a third world war. That's what he says. When we first heard that Ukrainian President Zelensky, President Zelensky would make a virtual appearance at the 80th annual Golden Globes Award on Tuesday night, any of you watch it? To update the audience, the American people, on the status of the conflict, <laughs> we thought it was a joke. It certainly is. It should be remembered, too, that the Oscars uh, rejected efforts for Zelensky's appearance last year, though he did give an emotional speech at the Grammys last April. It's fucking... What a whore. Uh, but much like... But like with much else connected with Zelensky and the unprecedented pandering of American institutions for a foreign leader, it was all too absurdly real. He told the audience of Hollywood A-listers that there will be no third world war. The war in Ukraine is not over yet, but the tide is turning and it's already clear who will win. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when the terminally ill, right when Ukraine was about to win, that's when the terminally ill... Uh, Putin went off his rocker completely and started dropping the nukes. There are still battles and tears ahead, but he said that the First World War claimed millions, the Second World War claimed millions of lives, and there will be no Third World, World War. It is not a trilogy. Yeah? Well, people far more influential than you have written that it is indeed a trilogy toward a greater end game but promises that Ukraine will stop Russian aggression says the war in Ukraine is not over yet but the tide is turning we will make it together with the whole free world I thought it wasn't a world war <laughs> see it's just so stupid it's all just so silly there's not going to be a third world war because with the help of the entire world Ukraine will defeat Russia, LOL. So not only is that entire statement enough for the average person to say, should be enough for the average person to say, wait, what? But for those who know a little bit more than the average person, we know it isn't Ukraine versus Russia because that's not even a contest. This is NATO and the CIA versus Russia. And even that has only lasted as long as it has because Russia is, um, I, I mean, the only ones who have shown any kind of restraint as to not to expand the battlefield. See, it is a world war, but the problem is it's being played out on a very small patch of land right now. That's it. The question we're wondering about at the moment is, will it stay contained to what was traditionally known as, at least at the last however many generations, as Ukraine? Will it stay contained there? 
So there you go. That's 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 some of the Golden Globe programming you would have gotten last night if you were helping your brain deteriorate faster than it would if you were taking ecstasy, dropping five bombs of ecstasy an hour, or you can just watch. You can just watch award shows. Same exact thing, but you won't get as good of a high. I heard. Here's another one. You might have heard about the FAA and all the planes being grounding, the biggest mass grounding of air, air flights since 9-11, and nobody knows why. From Zero Hedge again, computer outage hits Canadian flight systems hours after U.S. system went down. Nav Canada, the not-for-profit corporation that operates Canada's civil air navigation system, reports the Canadian real-time safety alert system for pilots, otherwise known as NOTAM, short for Notice to Air Mission, has been hit with an outage. So far, no delays have been attributed to the outage, but they're assessing impacts to their operations and will provide updates as soon as they are available, says Nav Canada. Now, in in the U.S., it was a different story. Um, Biden said they don't know what caused the flight stoppages. I don't know if, if that dumbfounded stance has changed any since, but all day there's been questions about whether or not this is Klaus Schwab's, a part of Klaus Schwab's promised cyber warfare that's coming our way and the cyber attacks and cyber pandemics that will make the old pandemic seem like a minor disturbance. So, I don't know. Well, th- you know what? Thankfully, our, our world government saviors are all getting together at Davos in a couple of weeks because <clears throat> I'm, I'm sure somebody will be taking the grounded flights of the last however many hours. They'll be finding, they're going to try to spin a, a silver lining. They'll find, somebody will do a study about how much pollution had been curbed just within those couple of hours that flights were grounded. That's what they'll do. I'm sure some nitwit is preparing a report for the WEF, which will then come back around to us to say, see, we need to have more groundings and you need to stay inside more because we, of course, we are the greatest pollutants. We are the cancer that they need to get rid of so that they can continue having elegant, opulent uh, uh, lunches and balls and, you know, walk around in their in their spacesuits together and that's what they like. But um, regardless of what will in the future be suggested, stay out of the air for the sake of the planet, there's one thing that's happening right now. You might have heard about it. Again from Zero Hedge, power crazed Biden administration may ban gas stoves. They're looking into it. Gas stoves, which are used in about 40% of American homes and are loved for their easy and speedy adjustability, may be banned by the Biden administration, which has absolutely no authority to do so. None whatsoever. So the real reporting on the situation would be the Biden administration may put words on paper that you can then wipe your ass with. But of course, it's a little bit harder to wipe your ass with any pieces of paper when they said when they send heavily armed federal EPA goons to your house to kill you. Because that is what escalation of force eventually leads to. This is a hidden hazard. U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission Commissioner Richard Trumka Jr. 
told Bloomberg, any option is on the table, said the son of the late AFL-CIO president. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. All of a sudden. Gas stoves are even more prevalent in restaurants. 76% of them use gas. There's a certain types of food and certain culinary techniques that are that really require a flame in some way, shape, or form to work, and also other for other consistency and quality purposes, says Mike Watley. Don't even make your don't even make your case to these freaks. Just say no. Just say no. A whopping 94% of restaurant owners who use gas say a ban would hurt their business. Some chefs are already rebelling. Just say no. Do not do it. This needs to be rebelled against in every way possible. In December, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker and Virginia Rep. Don Bayer, both Democrats, wrote a letter to the Safety Commission urging them to address gas stove emissions, citing they're adding uh, to cumulative burden on black, Latino, and low-income, ho- uh, low-income households. Right. Right. Of course. I mean, <laughs> could it have been anything else? The EPA and World Health Organization say gas stove emissions are implicated in a variety of maladies from respiratory illnesses, cardiovascular problems to cancer. The the EPA and the World Health Organization, who are constantly thinking of new ways of eliminating us, they care about us getting cardiovascular problems and cancer. A study last month said 12% of childhood asthma is attributable to the stoves. I, I wonder if they're going to say next that gas stoves cause myocarditis. I wouldn't be surprised about that. I wouldn't be surprised. And then we have a friend of ours, a mutual at least, Rising Serpent on Twitter. And uh, did he did a little digging on his own. Take a look at this. This will come to absolutely no surprise. No surprise when you learn something like this, especially if you watch shows like this. OMG, the company that wrote the article being used to ban gas stoves is a World Economic Forum WEF partner. No shit. RMI, Carbon Free Buildings, Boulder, Colorado, 80301 USA. RMI, there they are, World Economic Forum, Mission Possible, Climate Action, Partnership Launch to Help Transform heavy industry and transport. It's all the same thing. RMI, World Economic Forum Bio. There you go. $8 million. It's just incredible. It's just incredible. You know, um, who else did you think would provide the data for something like this? And it goes to show that no matter what it is, it's usually this is the case. Buried under multiple layers of of hyperlinks and other little buffers. That's the issue. Because these companies, wherever they operate, they like to to show off that they are affiliated in some way with the Borg. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of prestige. There's a lot of, you know, you, you put the World Economic Forum badge on your website and you go out and you try to procure new new contracts somewhere. I have to imagine that's going to help you in the long run. But when it starts coming to a big move like this, which are these are all along the steps of deindustrializing the world and bringing us down to the level of, uh, you know, uh, serfs who live in mud huts. 
all the major steps they have to take along the way, whether it be incandescent light bulbs, whether it be starting to normalize the idea you can't have gas stoves in your bar, especially when the, the, the power goes out. Sometimes gas stoves are the only thing people have for life-sustaining heat. But never mind that. Never mind that. So all this going on, and once they start triggering their bigger plays for power, and we see this, then it, of course it's oh, don't you connect the dots? It's all the same people working together to make sure you and I live uh, live with ever lowering standards of quality, quality of life, less convenience, less creature comforts. That of course they will never go without. Klaus Schwab will never. There will never be a time that Klaus Schwab will ever sit on a toilet without then moving his crusty old ass to a bidet. Okay, I mean, I mean that that just these these are the people who are telling us we have to start living with less. The people who sit on bidets all day, they haven't had a they haven't had a single ply of toilet paper rub against their assholes since 1975. We have to live with less. So, and, and when you point this out, oh conspiracy theorists no no not conspiracy theorists here's the conspiracy these people are always conspiring together and we are the ones who bear the brunt of the cost that's it and if it's not in if if it's not in money directly coming out of our pockets which it always is because we are the collateral for that too then it's just having to sit to uh, uh sever ourselves from anything that makes life semi-comfortable that's just always our burden to bear, always is. But we have to live under the yoke of these experts and these, these losers, losers like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Boy, the bloom has come off of this asshole's rose. The, uh, the bloom has come off the rose for this guy a long time ago. He's a grade A charlatan and he used to intrigue me. Probably was that way for a lot of you guys too, but you know, Oh, oh you, you can only hear somebody be a pretentious asshole so much that you don't even care what they actually do know. Now, he sat down with Patrick Bet David of Valuetainment. I really like Patrick Bet, Patrick Bet David. I believe that he is one of the good ones out there. He's done a lot of good, honest work, even if he doesn't draw the same conclusions we do or goes deeper on a subject, he has asked really great questions, common sense questions in the face of pushback. Here is another situation right now. And uh, and he sits down with, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who seems to have lost his silkiness. Neil deGrasse Tyson seems to have lost the silkiness to his political deceptions. He actually becomes pretty unraveled when uh, it comes to a now completely indefensible gene therapy shot stance. That, uh, to, to, to support them. It is completely indefensible to stand by these gene therapies. And Patrick Bet David just uh, just throws some things out there for him to chew up and he comes unraveled. Take a listen to this, minute and a half. Hold on, they're talking about bodily autonomy. Let me put that down, put this up. Here you go, listen to this. Oh, your own body, your own body. If you want to get an abortion, get an abortion. If I want to get the vaccine, I get to choose. So you can't force, if, if I can't force you to get an abortion, you shouldn't be able to force because me to get Because it's the... not about you. It's about people you interact with. And that's the social contract of public but we health. Don't, we don't even know if the vaccine. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say right now, 
um, to the young men, this is clearly to the young men and women that are li- listening to this. You in your tweens and your teens and going throughout college right now, and you're just starting to ask questions about the world. Um, walk away. You need to walk away from anyone who drops the social contract line to explain why other people should be compelled to do what they desire, that social contract, especially when they desire, when their desire requires you to surrender your biological sovereignty, your bodily autonomy, all right? You walk away from people who keep talking about this imaginary social contract that is all based on an ever-evolving day-to-day level of morality that, that's, that's rooted in nothing but the left's, I don't know, psychopathic, schizophrenic political whims day-to-day. So it's just uh, run away from the social contract, people. You know, the social contract that no one signed and that always adapts to their day-to-day political agendas. Those people are fucking dangerous and you cannot reason with them. You just have to let life happen to them. All right? You have to let life happen to them. Try to stay away from them. It's so funny how the, how the, how the social contract... How, how the social contract to maintain public health falls to the wayside when it comes to parents and teachers confusing children about their gender and putting them on sterilization drugs just so that mommy can go home and virtue signal on Instagram about how progressive she is. That's it. These are the people who take liberties. They take liberties with attacking the stories from the Bible, uh, mind you. These are people who take liberties going into the Bible and attacking stories to, to, to prove how, how much more evolved they are, all right? Abraham being commanded by God to sacrifice his son as a test of loyalty. At least in the Bible, at the last minute, God is like, all right, all right, chill, you passed. At least he's like, chill, you're good. All right, chill. Neil deGrasse Tyson represents the God who not only lets the parents kill the children, but their God encourages parents to also torture and disfigure them first with drugs and surgery. So let's jump into this one again. And that's the social contract of public we don't We don't even know if the vaccine worked or not at the time. Yes, that's what the trials are, dude. That's why these trials, what, are you missing data out but, there? But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who else was missing data? The drug companies, because they did not do any fucking trials. You see, you see, man, that's what sets my boy Tyson apart from the other galaxy brains out there. He's just a regular guy who uses words like dude. That's how you know you can trust him. He's just like you and me. He uses words like dude. That's it. When he's when he's when his flailing pretentious ass is uh, is losing his mind. Let's go back once again and I'll shut up now, I promise. The vaccine worked or not at the time. Yes, that's what the trials are. Dude, that's why these trials what, are you missing data out but, there? But let me ask you a question. Are we saying only one type of scientists are right? No, we're saying that the system in yes. place the 16,000 oh, that signed that. No, no, no. The, the system in place to test The vac- scientists who run the system that I believe is the authority over all other systems. That, yes. 
So, I mean, he's just steamrolling because, yeah, he's – and that's why I like Patrick Beck David. Yeah. There's an entire system that's in place that, <laughs> that with review boards and all of this. Yeah, and the average – That's in place. Now, you can say – you can ch what you can say is I, I have a better idea than all these review boards and all these agencies and the CDC. I have a better idea. Here's what you should do, and that would have made everything better. Okay. You oh, yeah? Oh, that is all it would take? That's all it would take? Telling telling the, the entire machine, hey, I've got a better idea, and here you go. Oh, yeah? Did he, was he sleeping? Johnny Appleseed over here? Did, did he miss the thousands of doctors who were, who were ostracized by their peers, who were taken off of public platforms that were not allowed to talk about anything? That we're not allowed to prescribe things outside of the uh, the what the orthodox. Uh, oh my! Oh my gosh! What has happened? This guy used to be silky, at least silky smooth with his deceptions. Now he's nothing but a flailing ass, a rollicking ass. You can put forth that idea, but what I'm saying is, in a case where you can contaminate someone else, it's not about you. Yeah, it is. Stay home. Stay home if you're if you're of the if you're of the very small slim category of people who were really at risk of getting rocked by this virus or any virus. Stay home until the wave passes over and boosts your own immune system. However, you can get your doctor's notes and tell them why you have to work from home for a little bit. That's it. That's it. Because because th this is not this is what is this? Over the age of 65, when you have three or more comorbidities, serious comorbidities, then you have an elevated risk for real, real damage. What the hell is he even a drill? What disease is he even talking about? It wasn't COVID. So again, a rollicking ass, but it's all part of it's all part of the just the non-stop bombardment of mind control and it's great that there are people out there like Patrick Bet David who are you know being very very smooth about things very smooth and just letting people uh, just I guess hang themselves in one way or another but uh, yeah we're gonna go and take a break and come on back and I have Dr. Chloe Carmichael coming up on the other side of the intro did we do the intro I think we did we'll be right back no we didn't bye are you or a loved one suffering from a medical coincidence? You want proper medical care, but you don't want people sniffing around asking a whole bunch of questions about what might be causing your problem. At the Kaufman Institute for Coincidence, we won't look into the cause of your heart or other problem. We'll just fix it. That's right. We promise to only look at your symptoms. We won't get all curious looking for causes because that could get your employer or your doctor into some legal hot water. And nobody wants that. At Kaufman, we understand that coincidence is now the leading cause of death. Hey, we've got another coincidence over here. If we want to operate at the speed of science, there's no time for looking for causes. No pesky questions about drugs or vaccines you may have been given. At Kaufman, we specialize in the effects and leave the causes to the conspiracy theorists. And let's be honest, we know the cause anyway. It was a coincidence, right? 
For each new patient, Kaufman's talented team of doctors strap on their blinders and look directly at the problem area, usually the heart, just like the CDC recommends. Our main campus now treats myocarditis, blood clots, heart arrhythmia, stroke, heart attack, magnetic skin, difficulty breathing, full body blisters and burning, convulsions, kidney failure, memory loss, cancer, sudden death, and much, much more. Give your coincidence the attention it deserves, but not the wrong kind of attention. At Kaufman, schedule your appointment today at KaufmanCoincidence.com and receive a doctor's note with a real sciency sounding explanation to provide to your anti-vax friends, proving to them it was definitely not the vaccine that caused your coincidence. Kaufman, because coincidences happen pretty much all the time. and stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so listen, I want to thank you all for being on. I also want to say thank you, uh, or, well, I mean, I, I told him I was going to use that, that video. The person who created that wonderful video, Kaufman Institute, uh, his account on YouTube is I Want Liberties, but T's spelled T-E-E-S. Altogether, I Want Liberties, and um, fantastic stuff. I like it a lot. All right, welcome to the show. Where the hell is my... There you go. I got to bring Dr. Chloe on. We're a little bit behind. I knew that all of that stuff in the opening was just going to test the timeline of events here. So we're going to jump in and we're going to do this right now. Dr. Chloe Carmichael, PhD, is a licensed clinical psychologist known as Dr. Chloe. She holds a master's degree and PhD in clinical psychology from Long Island University and graduated Phi Beta Kappa. I can't do the Greek stuff, but I think I hope, hopefully I got through it. Summa cum laude with a bachelor's degree in departmental honors in psychology from Columbia University. Her practice in New York City employs multiple therapists to serve high-functioning business executives, people in the arts, and everyday people seeking support with personal or professional goals. Dr. Chloe is USA Today best-selling author of the book, Nervous Energy, Harness the Power of Your Anxiety. She's hanging out with us tonight. I can't wait to talk about this. She's been featured so many places. But as I told you before, the genesis of our of our, um, our, of our wonderful little uh, budding friendship over here is our common friend ping trip. What's going on, Dr. Chloe? How you been? 
I'm all right. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's really good to see you again. It is. It is a great thing to, to, to link up and to have it on our own terms now. I have so many things to ask of you, and I was going to read before you got on, but I let, ran out of time. The piece that you had published in Fox, uh, Fox News back the last couple of days of, Jan- uh, of December, the headline of this is, I'm a psychologist, and the Twitter files are a perfect storm of psychology and society's rules. Now, the reason why I want to bring this up with you, um, and I'm not going to read through it now, is because I was just talking a little bit about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and the, the gaslighting that still goes on uh, in, in medical sense, in a uh, censorship sense. There's, it's such a time of naked revelation, and still, all of the experts are out in their naked form saying, no, you're not seeing what you're seeing. Can you talk a little bit about this, this term you have over here, reality testing and gaslighting, and just splay it across all of society right now? Yeah, definitely. So for that Fox piece, I actually, I feel like I have a better title. I wish I could title it retroactively. I think if I could title it again, I would call it Gaslighting Gaslighting Groupthink and the Government, mm-hmm. right? Because that was kind of really the heart of the article was, as you said, you know, reality testing when, you know, they tell us um, this black you know, object that you're looking at is actually blue, right? And we can see it with our own eyes, but yet we're being told that it's something else, right? That's that's gaslighting. And the same thing essentially happened to us when we were being told like, oh no, Twitter's algorithms are just what they are. You know, there's no bias, there's no manipulation, right? When in fact that actually was happening. And what that does is it interferes with what psychologists call our reality testing. And a really big part of that reality testing is our ability to gauge social consensus, right? So if there's a bunch of bots, for example, that are, you know, boosting a tweet or hating a tweet or whatever, or the algorithm is, you know, pulling people down falsely, then it makes you think, gosh, maybe I'm crazy. You know, it seems like everybody else in the world thinks that um, these vaccines aren't causing any side effects, right? Or seems like everybody else in the world thinks it's totally okay to mask little kids, you know, or, or whatever it is that is going on. And by messing with our reality testing and gaslighting us that way, they set the stage for what's called groupthink. So, Professor Chloe will pause the little psych lecture now and, you know, just kind of let you digest that. But I hope that makes sense. It does. It it, it does. And I, I wanted to talk about uh, things from a microcosm and a macrocosm kind of a, a level there, too, because whereas you would be able to work with a, a patient or client and, and, and diagnose what, what may be going on with them, the same can be done to what's going on with a group of people I'd have to imagine. And uh, in the last couple of years, we've been introduced by, uh, you know, in a, in a, a wide scale way, we've been introduced to concepts like mass formation psychosis. Uh, that was another thing. That was another term on Twitter prior to the Musk buyout that was bannable offense. For a couple of weeks there, when everybody was talking about mass formation psychosis in the way that everybody clings to their biases and are and are able are, are you know uh, 
violently try to reinforce that that kind of um, herd mentality, that was a bannable offense to talk about it at all. And so I guess my first question for you would be, if, if society at large were whittled down into a single person, what would you be able to make a clinical diagnosis as to what that person's problems are right now? Obviously, what you're discussing right now with gaslighting, there's a lot of trauma and abuse there. Um, but what if you're if you're going to distill society at large into one person, what kind of issues do they have? Wow, that is such an interesting question. I I think actually part of the issue there is that what's going on with society is um, is actually an issue of group behaviors, right? So it's really hard to, to boil it down to one person. If I had to boil it down to one person, I would have to diagnose that person with multiple personalities, right? Because <laughs> there would be one side of the person, you know, that is, you know, maybe representing the far right, one side that is representing the far left. And, you know, that person would be kind of at war with, with himself or, or herself. But... I, I think that there is this issue of groupthink. So when you mention mass formation psychosis, for example, um, I will say that's that's really it. Even it it, it is a, a term that um, wasn't one that I was exposed to much, if at all, in graduate school. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm not really offering an opinion on it. Uh, except I would say that a, a, a different term that I think is more well-known and used more often by more psychologists that is kind of representative of some of the same things I think people mean when they say mass formation psychosis is the term groupthink. And groupthink is a term that you'll find in any psychology textbook, right? So groupthink uh, is a it was a term coined by the psychologist Irving Janis uh, in the 1960s or 70s I think 1971 when he was studying the Bay of Pigs disaster, and it touches on this idea of a psychosis because in a psychosis one of the defining features is that a person is out of touch with reality, right? They're they're kind of dissociated from reality and they're acting sort of in their own movie, so to speak. And when people talk about mass formation psychosis, you know, they're usually trying to describe when you have a whole entire group of people that's kind of marching as an army with their own, you know, kind of warped idea of what is reality. And the same thing could be said for groupthink, which is created, interestingly enough, Ernie Irving Ganis said, when you have censorship, censorship that is um, going from the top down, so kind of enforced structural censorship, as well as self-censorship, mm. which we see more and more often as well. People are so aware of the censorship that exists even if it's not spoken, which again, going to the gaslighting part to the point where they start to just, you know, censor themselves. And then you have whole groups of people that start to think, gee, well, there's a certain norm, right? And and maybe I better just fall into it. Psychology studies have even shown, believe it or not, that if I have a five inch line and I show you a five inch line and a three inch line, and in front of a whole bunch of people, I say, all right, everybody, one by one, come up and tell me which line is the longest. If everybody points to the three-inch line, one by one by one by one, 
people who are part of the experiment who know that they're just doing this on cue, people who are not in the experiment will also just kind of be like, uh, the three inch line, you know, like they, they just, they just start buying into it. Oh, you're talking about, you're talking about the, the Ash conformity experiments. Exactly. Thank you. Very good psychology student there. That's right. (laughs) Well, you have to living in the world today. Yeah. Do you have a degree? No, no, no. Just Ash. Well, we, well, we we've we've talked about the Ash conformity and and also the Milgram experiments a lot on this show. Um, just just because as you're talking, as you're discussing right now, there is so much that has been uh, achieved just through the uh, perceived authority of other people and people just defer to those with i mean it's, it's why the american medical association created the white coats it's it's just a uh, it's, it's a it's a distinguished robe for them to use so that there's less people out there um questioning what they what you know what the orthodoxy is so it just you know along the way you pick it up i guess yeah i guess so so yeah that that's exactly right oh well anyway well i mean well I don't want to drag you off course. I, uh, I you, were, you were really making a good point there about censorship. Let me just throw this into the fire a little bit so you can run with this one. The shadow banning thing, and you talk about it uh, in your, your Fox article just a little bit there. I think the shadow banning is so much more worse than just blanket. It, uh, for example, gaslighting in a one-on-one relationship man and a woman are together and uh, and there's some gaslighting going on there there is that uh, that abuse that's going on that's so much worse than just breaking up because you're stringing a person along i mean they're they're losing time they're losing sanity they really don't know what what is real but the shadow banning thing is along that line there too where it's almost better to just be kicked off of a social media platform and many people have but the larger shadow banning situation that keeps people just like in this abyss where they're the lone voice they feel end up feeling like the lone voice shouting into the abyss they're all alone the isolation there is uh it, it it's just a whole other level of torture if you ask me you're right it's at, and you're touching on two important things there right so there is the gaslighting effect where you know our sense of reality is being tampered with and that can be disorienting and it can start nudging us in um into intellectual positions that we might not otherwise take. But then to your point as well, with shadow banning or isolation, you know, even just, you know, by suppressing people, you have to also think about it in the context of, as you said, abusive relationships. One of the first things that an abuser will do is try to isolate the victim socially from their social support network because psychology studies show that social support is extremely important in terms of just you know resiliency and self-esteem and getting through hard times and all of that kind of stuff we need validation we need community and when you isolate the victim from their support network they become much weaker and they're a lot easier to manipulate and control so it's really kind of a, a a double whammy, so to speak, when you have gaslighting that is actually centered on a person's sense of social connection to their community. So it's really messing with them in multiple ways. Well, this brings me to a point where I think that you're really going to shine even brighter because you've already written a book about it, and that's anxiety. Because a lot of the a lot of the the trauma and the abuse, and uh, even in the more subtle ways that we go through as individuals and as groups, 
warring groups inside of a uh, inside of a nation or inside of a world now. Um, uh, anxiety is obviously the thing that is drummed up the most. The higher the anxiety, the more the more useless the feeling uh, that a person has inside of them, where they feel like you know they just become the, the pain. There's certain pains that you can use, and other pains that make you useless. And uh, same thing goes for anxiety, uh, as I know that you believe, as as you've written extensively on it. The effectiveness of psychological operations. We talk about this a lot. It's based usually on how well people's anxieties can be triggered and how they can be pushed into action. Could you tell us a little bit about how the media we live with every day makes it harder to, as you say, harness the power of our anxiety? Because in itself, it's not a negative thing to feel anxiety. But to a certain point, I mean, we become we become paralyzed by it. So talk about the media uh, the media's interference with our uh, our our quest to maybe harness anxiety. Yeah, so that's that's a, a multi-layered question there. So Frank, you're a deep thinker. Um, so yeah, as you said, my book Nervous Energy: Harness the Power of Your Anxiety is on the idea that there is a healthy function to anxiety which is to stimulate preparation behaviors. And I really think it's important that people know that because I know this isn't even exactly what you asked about. And I, I do want to get to that part too, but I just have to say that I want people to know again, that there is a healthy function to anxiety, which is to stimulate preparation behaviors. And there is, you know, kind of speaking of the media, there's a big, big pharma, there's, you know, medicalizing all of our normal human emotions, right? To the point where I think it's like one in four people is medicated and like in, in you know, young adults and things like that today. Um, and we're actually depriving ourselves then of, of hearing and acting upon, again, the healthy function of anxiety. So if you're feeling, you know, anxious about the fact that you don't like what's happening in your city at, at your school board or whatever, the healthy response to that discomfort is, you know, to get up and start going to some meetings or, you know, get out in your community and try to get change going. Or for some people, it might be, you know, to get on Twitter and mobilize that way. We certainly know that there are many political groups that have done that very successfully, you know, to mobilize yeah. through social media. But when, you know, whether it be media or social media, when they interfere with that process, um, it, it can start to become very demotivating. Now, as you also, I think we're kind of getting at in your question, there is also a financial incentive that the media has to keep us in a constant state of, you know, fear, anger, all these things. And while it's true, again, that there is a healthy function to anxiety, and even that there's a healthy function to stress on a certain limited basis, it will actually, um, you know, mobilize us and, and cause us to think more clearly, even for a limited period of time, our body will actually stop even sending resources to kind of less necessary bodily processes, so that we can put all of our energy into to a go time issue and fight a stressor. But if we remain in that state too long, then, you know, we just get tapped out. It's like you're 
you know, flooring the gas pedal in the car, but you know, there's just nothing left. And Mm -hmm. then, then we can get really run down and, you know, even be vulnerable, you know, to more pathological forms of anxiety and depression. And one more thing kind of on that point, I've been talking about anxiety, but you mentioned depression as well. And I just have to say one of the hallmark features of depression is actually a sense of helplessness. So oftentimes anxiety can lead to helplessness if a person is unable for some reason to take action around what is causing them anxiety, right? Like, so for example, if you want to take action and speak up and do something about, you know, things that you see happening online or in your community that don't feel right to you, but you have this paralyzing fear of being canceled. And so you stifle your feelings and you just sit there and you stew in all of it that can foster feelings of helplessness, which can then leave you vulnerable to depression. That's uh, I'm glad you went there because I wanted to I wanted to discuss what that relationship between anxiety and depression really was. And when you're talking about uh, prep uh, preparatory behaviors, preparation behaviors, and then, of course, as you said before, the, the, the incentives of, of keeping people into elevated st- states of anxiety and stress to the point where they just become burnt out, useless, or actually become detached from reality a little bit more, a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more punch drunk, even without getting punched. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a lot of that. I mean, there's, there, was, there was a lot of just derangement that went on in the extended period of the time that people were staying in their homes, that they weren't seeing loved ones, um, the, 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 the ridiculous lengths that people were going to to avoid. I, I still, people see, still see people around here driving around in their cars with the windows up all by themselves with masks on. And then as far as, um, as, far as prep behaviors that were overdeveloped, how could we ever forget the hoarding of toilet paper and and uh, hand uh, hand wash? Everybody's making handmade detergents. It's um, it's nuts. But when when it comes to to depression, you know, I came across I came across a YouTube video in the time between we book, me booking you on this show because I wanted to come up with something else to talk about, and this was something interested uh, that I had heard before, and that is high functioning depression. Um, what can you tell me about this? I, I found six, I, there's probably more, six different things to show, six signs of a high-functioning depression, depressed, depressed person. And when I look at them, I'm like, holy shit. I look at this and I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if a vast majority of people experience at least four of these six points every day. Um, yeah. Go, uh, I can read them or I can wait. Yeah, and, number one, here's what I saw. Avoiding social situations. This is for high-functioning depression. Uh, Extra irritable, constantly tired, struggle to concentrate and struggle to follow along, using unhealthy coping skills more and more, and constantly worrying about the past and the future. Um, Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if most people in the audience have about four of those things going on at any given time. Does that make them depressed, or is that just a part of everyday life? You know, it's I I try to stay away from labels, right? Um, as much as I can, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think it has to be a part of everyday life uh, because we do. While we all have ups and downs, if it's you know just kind of your constant 
uh, way of being where you're, as you said, just constantly irritable and uh, tired and avoiding people and that kind of thing, you know, that's that's no way to live, right? Mm. Um, and to your earlier point about COVID and what it did to people, you know, as far as the the people, you know, in their car with their windows up by themselves, that, that part's I shouldn't laugh at it, but you know, there, there's just something so absurd about it. It is. But on, on the sadder side of that, remember again, there were people that had to miss funerals, uh, students that didn't get to go to their prom, to their graduation, et cetera. And what, what that was doing is it was making us paranoid, some of us anyway, we're getting paranoid basically of other people. And again, that is why I thought it was so evil to be doing this to children. I packed up my then three-year-old from New York and moved to Florida because of an experience where I, you know, we were at the playground and it was a time still when, you know, people were trying to keep their kids six feet apart from each other. And mm. You know, I mean, I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to force my kid on anybody. That's okay. But then, like, these people's kids would come up to him and just, you know, want to start playing. Okay, well, and then their parents would come over and snatch those kids away and be like, stay away from him. And, like, this is, like, my little three-year-old. And I could tell he was internalizing this, you know, like, as if there was something about him. So I, I actually think your points connect um, in the sense that with COVID, we got m many of us got paranoid of each other, or even if we weren't paranoid of each other, we were dealing with so many other people that were paranoid of us and paranoid of social connection. And then to to your point, you know, surprise, surprise, we end up with all these people running around that are feeling depressed because another part of depression um, is actually lethargy, as you said, feeling tired all the time. Um, you know, or a sense of worthlessness. So, you know, when we're irritable with others, it tends, you know, to just not be good for social relationships and that kind of thing. And that's not good for your self-esteem. And when we have nothing essentially but screen time during that time, you know, people just had to always be in front of their computers, which we all know that too much screen time is, is actually not good for our mental health. So, I think you're right. I think that there's a rise in all of these things, anxiety and depression from from this. And uh, it was kind of a perfect storm, I think, for mental health. But I am kind of a militant optimist. So I will say on the positive side, I think for some of us, myself included, it really caused us to get clarity and and to start saying, wait a minute, I can get swept up in that tide of absolute craziness or I can just step back and say, I'm not doing that. And then those of us who who did that, who just stood back and said, I'm not doing that. I feel like we found our tribe, you know? I mean, before COVID and all that, I never would have had the guts, honestly, to write these pieces I wrote for the New York Post about free speech and mental health or for Fox about the government and gaslighting. For me, like a big coming out of the closet moment was when I wrote this piece about um, the harms of masking children, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, while it was awful, and I'm, I'm not trying to deny that, I think um, for many of us, it, it, it was a it was a growing up time. 
I'm glad you went there because I was going to, I wanted to end with, with that whole point of what the process of rebuilding and uh, correcting the damage from any kind of abusive relationship usually looks like. But in this case, the biggest problem we've had over the last couple of years is a, a group experience with very, very powerful organizations, including governments, media organizations, everything else, uh, teachers, unions, you, 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 you put it all out there. What does that process look like for the most, for most of us who prior to 2020, yeah, we had our daily stresses. We always had to, we always had our financial stresses. We got to make our, 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 you gotta, we have monthly overhead. We got all this stuff, but we have things that we had creative outlets. We had, um, we, we can go to a ball game still from time to time. We had our families and friends. Um, so now everybody needed clinical help to fight off depression here, but with the social kind of malaise that we are in from all this, what does the process of unwinding it look like? Is it really just a matter of making sure that you have a certain amount of hours a day away from all of this overstimulating media or what kind of processes and exercises would you give to somebody to get them back to what they were when all this stuff really hit the fan? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess I would start by saying, I. I would I would actually want the goal to not be to get back to where we were. I would want <laughs> to use a phrase that good I'm point. sure nobody here likes to build back better, right? <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good, very good point there. It wasn't yeah, necessarily, yeah, we were in a dark place, but a dark place we didn't know that was so dark. Like you said before, yeah. it's, we've been illuminated now, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do think that, that when we go through those times, like what what is that saying, um, you know, um, easy times make soft men or, uh, and, and hard times make strong men or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, I do think that to your point, like how, how can we move forward from this? Um, one thing is to really ask ourselves, what did I learn from this? How did I grow? Like, did I at least like find out, you know, who has the common sense? Like did, did this kind of, um, force me to step out of like some little box and social script that I might have just stayed in for a very long time if things hadn't gotten so bad that some of us just raised our hands and said, you know, no more. Um, so that's that's one positive thing about it. One other thing that, you know, a little psych term that I'm guessing you might know since you seem to know a lot of them is the term secondary gains. Right? I, don't, I don't know this, so I can't wait to learn. Okay. So... When, when we think about secondary gains, it's just, again, kind of a Psych 101 textbook term. The way we think about it is um, if you have an injury, the example in a psych textbook is always of a, of a little girl who breaks her leg and it's awful, but then all of her friends come and sign her cast and she gets special attention and those are secondary gains. And she actually starts kind of liking it so much that even when the doctor says, okay, time for your cast to come off, you're all better now. She says, no, no, I, I, I think my leg is still broken. And she's not even lying. She's just become so attached to the secondary gains that she doesn't want to move forward. And I think for some people, they actually had that with COVID. You know, they were like, well, you know what? I decided I don't like going into that office every day. And you know, I decided I like being home with my family for dinner, you know, or what were whatever were some of the secondary gains that people got from it. And those can actually keep people from moving forward to your point. So 
one good way to have your cake and eat it too is to ask yourself, what were the secondary gains that I had from COVID and actually list them out and then say to yourself, I'm keeping them. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be done, you know, with um, the pandemic. I'm going to get back to socializing in a normal way. I'm going to burn the mask. Um, But I'm going to retain the habit of spending more time in nature, taking more walks or whatever were actually some of the silver linings and secondary gains, you know, from COVID. Again, I think also, and, and, and I say this myself, um, actually having been um, in an abusive relationship, um, you know, like 20 years ago, a very, very long time ago. But um, when I was in that process of coming out of it, I think we actually get closer to ourselves. We have to really find our grit and we we get stronger. There's like a level of kind of personal strength, I think, that we get when we go through those things. And so if we can start to do that and then, you know, reconnect with each other, I do think reconnecting with community very deliberately. And it might be a different community because, again, there was kind of a social shakeup during all that. But I think for many of us, myself included, we're actually finding that it can be even a better community maybe than what we had before. I I agree with you on that. I really do. I, I there's a few things that came up for me along the way and I was thinking about COVID and obviously I had to well I was thinking to myself what what are what were my secondary gains what were they and I mean I, I kept up a, a very high production schedule and I you know I had, we I had my 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 first uh my first child with my wife uh in September of 2020 right in the middle of it all so I just got we just got so much time to spend spend with her and then that just became permanent you know uh my wife chose to stay home not go back to her job and we just became you know working parents from home with the baby and all that and then I started thinking about something else there it was a a type when you're thinking about the girl with the little girl with the cast and all the attention she had from her friends I started thinking about just the that kind of that that almost like that post Christmas hangover I always used to get um, because of just being around family so much for the core over the course of a couple of weeks. Everybody's throwing a party at some point. Then there's Christmas Eve. Then there's Christmas Day. There's Christmas night. It's a little bit more. You get a little bit more of that charge from all of your family members on New Year's Eve and stuff like that. But then it kind of just goes away for ten months. And then I said to myself, okay, well, that's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that my family comes over more often and we have these, we have these, uh, these times together and, um, and, and try to keep that Christmas spirit alive, that togetherness a little bit more. That's, those are the types of things I guess we all should be considering whenever we feel a little bit of a letdown, whether it's coming down from government or whether it's coming down just from walking the walk, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think another thing like a positive that came out of this is that a lot of people got um, more involved in local politics, right? Like for many of us, like, frankly, I never thought about my school board, you know, prior to any of this, you know, I was so busy, you know, just New York living your life, like don't have time to like, you know, think about little local politics or anything like that. 
And I think the old saying, you know, politics is local, like really came alive uh, for people at that point. And so, you know, being involved in your community, actually from a psychology perspective, can have a lot of really positive effects on people's mental health, you know, civic engagement, things again, that prior to COVID, I think many of us just kind of thought was like, you know, for old people or something, you know, like it's just, I never thought of myself as being really very interested in that kind of like local politics before, but um, I had a wake up call and um, I, I've come to realize it's important and, and it connects us with the people around us. So I, I think that there's a lot of them. I would be curious, by the way, um, if anybody listening to this wants to share like what their secondary gains are or were or how they are keeping them, or if they're curious for ideas of how to keep them, um, you know, please go ahead and like tweet them at me or, you know, DM them at me because I really do like hearing from people and I, it's been fun to hear yours, Frank, and to share mine, but I'd be curious for other people's too. Well, that, this is a great audience for, for that kind of thing. Build a lot of different types of threads with the audience and, and have these human interest kind of nights. And I'd love to have you back because uh, whereas I don't have uh, much more time left in this segment, I, there, I still would love to talk about phobias. I'd love to talk about, and then it, it, you know, related to that, immersion therapy in particular. It's just it's too much of a, a, a drastic subject shift for for tonight. But I want to come back. I want you to come back and talk more about anxiety, but phobias and how I would have to imagine that is a completely overdeveloped sense of anxiety about one thing or another to an irrational sense. Uh, to an irrational degree, I should say. But so we got I it. I thought you were going to say it was an overused word because honestly, everybody wants to be. Oh well, you know, you're you're this phobic. You're that. Oh, phobic. I didn't you're phobic of this. I didn't and even I mean, think like, about that it's a perversion of the term. I have to say, as a psychologist, I object. <laughs> You know what? I, I that is an amazing angle. I didn't even think about. And you would think I would imagine. Imagine I would come up with that first. The over abuse, the abuse of the word phobic for all things. So we should talk about the abuse. We're phobic of phobics. <laughs> My, but what is phobic? You know, I mean, when you talk about a person who is frozen in fear over something, that it's not even like a slight level of disgust. We're talking about a complete paralysis. And, and and it's irrational as well is, is a key feature of it as well. You know, like you wouldn't <laughs> say I'm phobic of jumping off a building. Like you would say that's just common sense, you know. But if I'm phobic of touching a doorknob, you know, because I, I have an irrational fear that it could lead to my demise, um, you know, that's when we're getting into the phobia territory. No, then we already have a great second appearance lined up now. I got some great stuff already in my head. Got to write this down uh, during. Can only the... imagine what's in your head, Frank. Oh, I know. I get, I, I'm going to write and writing this down as soon as I get through intermission, putting it all down, and then I'll make sure that I reach out to your uh, to to your your wonderful assistant, and we'll put something on on these the calendar for maybe very late late winter, early spring, when everybody's starting to shake off. The, oh, we can do seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I do just want to say one more thing, though, before I go, which is um, uh, if people want to connect with me, they can go to anxietyishealthy.com. I just wanted to have a really easy 
URL that they can go to is anxietyishealthy.com. And there's like all my social links and stuff like that there. Well, I was definitely going to get you a little, I have your URL in the episode description. I wanted you to plug yourself. So I guess okay. that's that. That's the, what you want everybody to go to, anxietyishealthy.com. And your book Just is linked. because it's easy to remember, yeah. And your book, like, your book is there too, right? Yeah, I mean, but if people are like really able to spell Dr. Chloe, the drchloe.com, then they can go to drchloe.com slash independent. And that's where I put all of my, um, you know, kind of outside of mainstream media um, thoughts. <laughs> okay, good. So that, that's like your Tumblr then, I guess. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> okay, good. I can't wait to go check it out. And Dr. Chloe, it's been a wonderful, wonderful debut on Quite Frankly. I was, I'm, I've been very, uh, very pleased to have you on tonight, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Well, quite frankly, I agree. You too. Thank you. Take care, Dr. Chloe. Thanks. Bye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go on a really quick break, and uh, and then we're going to just ride out the last 25 minutes of our engagement here, because then I have to get off around at late latest 8 35 p.m and we'll go right into book club so don't go anywhere brb welcome to intermission we'll, we'll be right back Quite frankly. 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 With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Okay, so. So, yeah, the phobia night will be good. I found this video. I found this video. It's, 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 I, I mean, kind of hilarious, but then not because I'm, I relate. I'm trying to think. There's this guy here. It's like two minutes long. One of, one of the 
wonderful people in the audience sent it to me last, I don't know, maybe just two or three days ago. And I said, I'm going to save this for the Dr. Chloe episode because I'll, I'll play this in the second half. But since we didn't talk about phobias yet, I'll just save it for whenever the hell that happens. But it's a old video of a guy who is phobic of puppies. I know, silly, right? There's a lot of silly things people are... <laughs> who are disgusted and repulsed and scared of, right? I know that, that feeling in a ridiculous way. It's just the way it is. But, um, you know, whereas I kind of laugh, but it's a nervous laugh. I, I can't... I can't believe how paralyzed we can become by something. Uh, especially as innocent as a puppy. Now, in my case, it's no innocent. It's a demon-faced bitch. It's not a puppy. It's worse than a puppy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's stupid. That's what it is. The possum shit. It's stupid. But if I were in a field with a camera crew and uh, you know at the other at the other end of the field was a you know a brolic jacked bodybuilder of a possum you know being led slowly to me and I had time to just see it I'm like fuck, fuck. I can I could probably feel just all types of things happening biochemically but I started the process the other night with Lauren she says, don't come out. You're not going to want to come out here. I said, no, I have to see it. And now what did Lauren do? Lauren gave the possum that lives in our neighborhood, where it lives, I don't know. Which is what makes walking around the yard at night very scary at this point. Lauren gave it a name. You know what the possum's name is? Possum's name is Winston. And I don't like it because it's just too innocent a name. I just don't see how anybody named Winston could do anything as terrible as this possum has done. What has it done, Frank? <laughs> Are you serious? You seriously asking me that? You know exactly what it did. So, to Lauren's credit, naming the possum Winston has actually made it a little bit more endearing. Oh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, said, oh, you, so you can't name it Winston. But uh, that's just, that's just what it is. All right. So I'm going to go into, I'm going to go into the super chats. And then we're going to take some calls from people. What is it? Uh, eight o'clock. Lauren just texted me, said Winston is the sweetest baby. Don't even. He can do no harm. Don't, don't. I'm not ready for that kind of... I'm not ready for that kind of pillow talk, Lauren. Don't get that sweet with me. With Winston. I'm not ready for that yet. I would be... I guess you gotta fake it till you make it, right? Okay. Well, she's, she's trying. She's a good wife. All right. Professor Longroof. Professor Longroof just sent a very generous super chat to quitefranklysuperchat.com. And ladies and gentlemen, I know we're only all alive over here on the show for another 25 minutes or so, but please hit the like button on YouTube and 
on Rumble especially, no matter where you're watching, thank you for watching there, and you can always help the show by sharing it with people that you know and love. But especially on YouTube and Rumble, if that is your place of choice, help us just wake the algorithm up. There are other things that we're going to be doing on YouTube and, and elsewhere to try to make the winds of fortune blow in our direction. But for now, thank you for just liking it because that goes and works for the channel beyond the show's conclusion because then people are notified about the episode that's available. Professor Professor Longroof says, Hey Frank, I finally became a subscriber today so I could join the book club this go around, but wanted to drop a bill in the tip jar too. You're doing great work, buddy. Always enjoy the show. Professor, I'm so grateful for you and I cannot wait to have you join us tonight. I think it's going to be a fantastic time. I've got my got my book right here. I'm telling you, it's a thin book. It's only 140 pages. I've got all of my my notes. I've got them all written down. Remember, when it's all done, I'm going to raffle this book off so people can have my book club copy with all of my notes and my handwriting in it, and and um, that'll be good. Stostube, two minutes ago, says, Frank, evening, brother. Excellent guest as always. Thank you, my good man. Great private media is where it's at. And fortunately for us, we have, quite frankly, the best. Thank you, Stostube. Thank you, Christos which is Greek for oil. Thank you. And um, thank you for everything. Thank you to Ken McNeil for a wonderful tip as well. And Phil's WW. Phil says, hi, Frank, got the address right. Oh, my. Don't think I'll be able to make book club tonight, but have already completed the book. Really enjoy it. Thank you for introducing it to me. Have a great night. Talk to you later. That's all right. You get to watch it afterwards. The, the day after. You have the link. And then once we're done with the book, I'll make everything public so everybody can enjoy it. But here you have it. Thank you so much. Um, was that all I wanted to say on that? There's something else I wanted to say on that. Uh, no, I guess that's all. All right, on Rumble, everybody's having a good time there. On Foxhole, Sean Joe, thank you. Chai Possum says, howdy, Frank. Hello, Chai. Uh, Witchy Poo says, hello, everyone. Stacks. First time I've seen Stacks. Ranger L, except the system tried to hide the trial for 75 years because it showed it didn't stop transmission. That's Ranger talking directly to, to Neil. Neil deGrasse. Peppy Wujak. Peppy Wujak says, where the hell did it just go? Says, today is 111. I... I-Y-K-Y-K. What does that mean? Today is 111-I-Y-K-Y-K. Am I missing something? I'm definitely missing something because four people liked it and I have no clue what the hell they're talking about. Is it upside down? No, that's not it. I'm not going to try this. Somebody tell me what it means. Paulie 9363 To know knowledge. To know knowledge requires silence. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Chai, again. Zoso Dude says, unbeknownst to Frank, Lauren has been feeding Winston out by the fire pit. I told you she's been doing this. Not, like, out there giving Winston food. But, you know, whenever some kind of produce that we had for Aurora did not go eaten in time, it started getting a little bit too ripe, whether it be, you know, an apple 
or anything else, she'll cut it up and she'll go outside and she'll just throw it out into the back end of the garden and just uh, let nature have its way. I, you know, a couple of cherry tomatoes here and there. I think she thinks it's just going to be some little squirrel coming around and going, thanks, I'm taking it back to the nest. I said, Lauren, you know, those are going to be skunks and possums, right? Oh, if you know, you know, is I-Y-K-Y-K. So then what, today is 111. Oh, 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 one, one, January 11th. Wow. That took a long time. That took a long time. Sorry. J Jewel sent over some gold pills for Winston. Chai Possum says, for Winston, let's ride. Witchy Poo, thank you. And then another one from Witchy Poo. That's all I got for you. 914-595-6953. It's open lines. What do you have to say about anxiety? What do you have to say about the gaslighting? Anything else that came up tonight? From the beginning, do you have any insight into the FAA? I know we have a lot of awesome. We have pilots. We have fighter pilots in the audience. We have so many interesting people out there that I get to be reminded of every time Christmas or any other holiday rolls around where people are sending out holiday cards. I get to just be reminded of the really interesting and awesome people that are out there. Great stuff. Um, so go ahead. Go ahead. And here, here is a another email that was sent in to me, because I think it, I think this is pretty appropriate to be honest. Just New Year's and people being grateful for things. Here's an email sent in to me from Nick in Chicago, and it makes a super chat that Nick had sent a couple of days ago a lot more, um, I a lot more clear. Now I understand. Frank, I stumbled upon your podcast in 2021, and I'd say you played a good part in saving my life. I became skeptical of sort of shots, skeptical of the Neil deGrasse Tyson shots, listening to you and Tracy, and avoided them for me and my wife and my young boys. I have focused on my health, listening to you and Jay and Rob, etc., which helped me lose over 70 pounds. And keep cozy with homemade bone broth and relaxed with pre-rolls and colonial flips. I completely reprioritized my life, focusing on my God and family. I am now in, uh, I'm now an elder in my church, scoutmaster for my youngest, and baseball coach for both boys. Best years of my life. I wanted to wish you, Lauren, Aurora, Anthony, Dad, Mom, of course, Skip, because he's watching, a very happy new year from a place where another New Yorker changed so many lives here in Wisconsin. My boy's first game, uh, to send, then he sent over a couple of pictures. He said, God bless you all, Nick in Chicago. And that was just so nice to read. Uh, then, Because, again, what, it, what was it? it it's, it's one man and his family, and who knows how many outside that circle who have just looked inward and have made, you know, it may be the dark times, but it's somebody's golden age. It's our golden days. It's our good old days right now. It has to be. Because we're not getting another shot in another set of good old days. This was so wonderful to read. Jay's coming back soon. I can't wait until Rob uh, finds a free night to come back on. In the meantime, if you want uh, if you want to, to get in with Rob's uh, classes, he still does the Qigong classes on Wednesdays and Fridays. 
His website is on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. Um, just wonderful things to read and to get that on a semi-regular basis. It's a real blessing. 720, you're on the air. Who's this? Uh, hi, Frank. It's Mike. Hey, Mike. What's going on? Um, well, I, I just got through. I uh, just needed the show. Um, I just wanted to say uh, um, you're talking about like uh, um, uh, what is it, anxiety? Yes. Um, Cliff High was recently talking about this is the year of the big ugly. Oh. And and what I think he means by that is that you know the truth is going to start to come out. And uh, so. Anyway, I thought that would be something to well, you, mention. Well, you know what, Mike? I, that's ex- that's how I opened it up with with Dr. Chloe. Uh, we had we had those yeah. that that small little rotation of articles that kind of gave us that springboard into our interview tonight, and it was really just about hey, how naked and just gross does everything look right now? There is no government. <clears throat> there is no government authority at this point that isn't laughable. There. There is there there's, there's no expert or you know a famous famous pop culture scientist that isn't a complete joke. They haven't beclowned themselves. There's not one news organization that is not laughable. I understand that there's a lot of people that still put a lot of stock in them. I understand that there's still billions, if not trillions, of dollars running through all of these organizations continually. But still, it is. It is, it, it is an ugly situation. So if Cl- Cliff High was talking about that, it's that's definitely a, another a really good take that uh, would go hand in hand with the whole concept of the quickening, or the fourth turning, which we're going to be talking about on this show very soon. We ha- I have a draft on the quite frankly blog that's about to be published by John Carroll about the fourth turning, and um, and that'll be a really good conversation. Mike, thank you for uh, the conversation tonight. All right, thanks. All right, be well. There you go. Mike. Mike stopping in to say hello. Farron Beast just said, I also hate possums. Uh, Fuji-faced fucks also 13-month year equals one extra rent payment a year. Ah. Ah, yes. Yes, yeah, you know, somebody else asked me about that. Does that mean I have to pay one more, one more uh, set of utilities? Yeah. Yeah, because you're not adding new days on onto the calendar. You're taking 365 days and you're dividing them up differently. So in a, uh, in a, in every set of 365 days, there would be an added month of expenses. And for the government, that's great because it's an added month of taxation. Oh, look, Winston left me a... <laughs> Left me a super chat. Good. I feel I'm happy about this one. I've got the smart possum living in the backyard. Winston says, Frank, I've been sleeping on your I've been sleeping on your pillow next to Lauren while you are in the studio. Lauren doesn't sleep while I'm at the studio. Okay. There's some nights I wish she would because I, I you know, she just, you know, she's some days she's just tired. Like, you know, you can you can go to sleep. She goes, no, I want to see you. And that makes me feel nice. But tonight, tonight, tonight's going to be a sausage and egg and asparagus omelet. Saving the steak for tomorrow with the risotto. That makes it fun to go home. That really does. 
Um, but it's going to be a little bit later tonight because Frank's just got one extra hour to do. Let's take a call. 323, you're on the air. What's going on? Hi, this is uh, David calling for Frank. David. Yes. Okay, David. Uh, well, just take take. A, are you on speakerphone right now? I just, I um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm on speakerphone. Okay, take off the speakerphone and just make sure you mute the, the the call in the background. I'll get Frank right on. Hold on. All right. Thanks. Hello, David. You there? Yep. Welcome to the How show, you doing, Frank. Welcome to the show, my friend. How you? What do you got for me tonight? Uh, I just wanted to say you are so awesome. I love you, and um, I've been now following you for like a couple of years, and uh, this is a hilarious chat room. Mark Swan is one of the most comedic geniuses on planet Earth, <laughs> and. Um, let me see what else. Uh, I love everybody in here. Lily of the Valley, Nikki, Shane. Oh, I could go on. Everybody's great. Everybody makes me happy. And um, what else do I want to say? Whoa. Well, just wanted to uh, give you my best wishes, and I love you, and I love all the awesome people in the chat room. Hey, man. Oh, I'm known as I'm known as Davy Boy SP. Davy Boy ST. Davy Boy SB SD Davy Davy Boy SD. If you guys are hanging out with Davy Boy, in uh, especially Mark Swan, Mark, you better be on the lookout for Davy over here because, I mean, he's just he he just he gave you more credit than anybody has ever on this show. So I mean, that's that's a comedic genius, unsurpassed. That's amazing. So be on the lookout for him, Mark. You got a new friend. Davey, Davey, you got to you definitely got to call in more often, man. I think that the people in the chat room alone would love you to call in and just do a little bit of a roll call with everybody that uh, that that you're hanging out with. I can't believe I got through tonight. I've tried so many, many, many times, <laughs> and this is and I finally got through. Well, I'm happy you did, man. I really am. You you, uh, you brought some levity to the show. It's already it's been a good show, but you brought some more levity to it. Thank you for the call and do it again. All right, all right. Take care. All right. Love you guys. All right, I love you too, Davy. I'm in love with you, JJ from Oregon. It's been a while. What's going on, Jay? Oh shit! The guy's gonna get in. Frank, oh, I'm sorry about the French. Sorry about the French. How are you, dude? Um, I'm doing uh, I'm doing well-ish. Doing well-ish. I see you are doing very well, and it's it's very nice to see the show still pro- uh, progressing. You just uh, you, you you take on the time and um, what you've done, your studies. It shows. Well, thank you, Jay. I, I mean, you you I know you've been calling in since I mean, it's been over five years, and I I know that. You know, some people just lurk for a while. Other people just take breaks and whatever. But you always come, you always come back to check in from time to time. And hey, what the hell else am I going to do? You know, this is just something I do. And I'm, I'm glad that you're still there. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you're still there, boss. 
Um, it's it's nice to have you. It's still like that home radio show that I imagine my my grand folks and whatnot listening to. Um, it's uplifting, even even with the most uh, what do we got? Uh, the darkest of topics that may be brought up during the times that we're living in. You always uh, you always bring it back around to something this that whatnot that's. Um, you know that keeps us all kind of centered i appreciate that jay is it, it, i really do appreciate the the reviews and the compliments is there is that is is they just you wanted to call up and get reacquainted or is there something else you wanted to throw out you there? know no yeah yeah that's that's pretty much it i know anxiety everybody has anxiety now the the the, the sticker shock we're seeing everywhere uh, the grocery store, the restaurants, um, and and then those that have gone through, um, you know, these times and loss, the great loss that some of us have felt. Um, but I mean, it's unabashedly um, a time that you you can see it if if you want to see it. If you don't, you know, if you want to ostrich, you're good. You do your thing. Um, but you can definitely see everything being said, uh, you know, where the power and whatnot. So, and, and you deal with it and you're, you know, going to stuff your nose in this or that if uh, you don't go along with this or that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you bring it around, you, you bring it back around and everything. And it, it uh, you know, it, it, it's grounded. And that's, uh, that's an appreciation I, I, for myself. Well, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy, Jay. That's a. I, I'm trying to ground myself too, as well. I don't want to. I just don't want to fly away from the Earth and just go into the the desolation of deep space and 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 just have that be it. So let's just keep our let's keep our homes clean and and uh, and and our connections strong. And that's really it. Thanks again for the call, brother. Thank you, sir. Thank all you, right. sir. You have a good evening. All the best to you and yours. Thank you. Same to you. JJ's been around for a long time. A long time. Let's see. 828? Let me go make sure I got everything right over here. Linda Love says, I think Lauren just invented the first character for her children's books, The Adventures of Winston. No, Lauren, no. Actually, Lauren has already written. She has already written the first volume of a children's book. And it was the it was the adventures of of uh, of Lila. Ly- I think it was Lila and Little Lauren, because I w- I was always called Lauren Little Lauren, and I still do from time to time. But now there's just little Aurora running around, and it's just all that 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 babiness that I would throw on to to Lauren is now there's an actual baby there, and it. It, it, it's a it's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful read. It's a short one, obviously, and it's just as far as how it's all plotted out and storyboarded and all that. I would love to see her. If there's one thing I wish that I can wish for somebody else, I would love to see Lauren get that together. We have to get her an animator and all that stuff, and I would love to see a cartoon version of. Aurora and Lila going on little adventures to the bakery and to the zoo and all that other stuff. I gave her a whole bunch of ideas too or other places they can, they can go, but she wrote it. 
Oh, of course. Now Lauren says, uh, Linda Love, yes. He will be making an appearance for sure now. Great. So, fuck my idea. Now she's going to be writing about possums. Great. So there you, there you go. That's how my, that's the, that's the, my dream has come true. I mean, I guess, I guess Lila and, and Aurora can be, you know, going on an adventure or something like that and, um, and, and come across, come across Winston somewhere when they go to the zoo and maybe, uh, I, I don't know. I just, what am I trying to do? What am I trying to do here? 914-595-6953. We're going to take one more call, and that's it for tonight. That's it. That is it. I appreciate you guys greatly. 914-595-6953. 914-595-6953. Here's another one that just that came in not too long ago. I guess I can do this. Um, I guess I can do this instead because the calls are, oh, we just got a few that came. I'm going to do this. White pill moment. This came in two days ago or so. Said, hey, Mr. Frankie Val, I wanted to share a social experiment I did in my office here in Kent, Washington. These are young blue collared workers here that I was questioning last night. I started complaining about how the corporate media was still proclaiming to the masses that some five or six cops were killed during the January 6th insurrection. No one knew what I was talking about. Once I got to employee number 14, they said, oh yeah, that thing at the Capitol, when some people were let inside and took a tour, I was surprised to say the least. And, um... So that was a white pill moment that came in from a listener of ours from Kent, Washington. And I guess that's the, um, I mean, it's definitely a pill. It's not a black pill. It's a something pill. White in the way that it proves that people who are who binge on television news and Twitter, um, the Twitter trending section are minuscule compared to everyone else who is just out there that is knee deep in the grind of everyday survival. All right. Um, it also should be a sobering agent for us as well, not to expect that much understanding of, of the real crimes that are being committed. Because it's one thing for some people to, for, you know, 13 out of 14 people at your job to have no clue what the January 6th commission is all about and what's going on there and what they're alleging and uh, whether or not police officers died there at the Capitol that day, which they did not. Um, and what the circumstances for the six they are claiming were deaths afterwards, where they were. It's not enough. If they don't know that, they certainly don't know. They certainly don't know the deep dive into what actually happened. The orchestration the 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 verboten the verboten story side of things you cannot talk about because it implicates the powers that be in actually orchestrating many of these events and uh, and whenever a tragedy falls into those powers laps steering all of the coverage of those events in an opportunistic way and that's the real really the way of the world so you got to look at that as yeah a good reminder that most people are just t- carrying on in life 
And whereas we are a smaller minority, although growing, of people who are looking deeper into things and analyzing how the world really is, it's also a great number of people who are just don't know. Don't know or they're swimming in the shallow end of the pool. And that's not to say that they aren't intelligent. It's just that they're doing other things. So anyway, that's it. Uh, I think I think we stayed on point, even with all these late edition emails to the show. Just perception of reality and moving forward and and uh, and and focusing in on silver linings and making the best of life. I love doing that. Thanks again to Dr. Chloe for being on the show, Dr. Chloe Carmichael. Her link is in the description of this episode. And uh, I am looking forward to tomorrow with you all. With you all. SoCal Patriot says, tell Mark Swan we need a winter bikini moment. And 24-7 spins says, happy hump day, y'all. Yes, happy hump day. May you all get humped. I'm off. I got to start book club up in 10 minutes. So those of you who are monthly subscribers and have been following along, you have the link. It's been posted or it has been sent directly to you via email. So go and check it out, and I will be there in just a second. Thank you, guys and gals, for everything. I cannot wait for tomorrow night's journey into the distant past with Timothy Alberino. Should be a fun time for all. Definitely going to be a fun time for me. Take care. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is Film Before Our Lives studio audience. And now, our super chatter, starting with Farron Beast, Winston, Professor Longroof, Stostube, Ken McNeil, Phil's WW. Thank you, guys and gals. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for, for tonight. I think uh, Wednesday night programming is still being live on quitefrankly.tv. Get there, get there, get there, because I'll be there right after my extended show is over. <laughs>